Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Dr. Jen Mann is one of the most well-known psychotherapists in the country. While you might know her as the host and therapist for VH1's long-running hit shows, Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen and Family Therapy with Dr. Jen, she's also appeared on television shows like The Today Show, Dr. Oz, The Doctors, Access Hollywood, and Jimmy Kimmel. Jen writes a weekly column for InStyle Magazine called Hump Day with Dr. Jen, where she gives readers all kinds of sex and relationship advice. And she's also the author of many best-selling books, including The Relationship Fix, Dr. Jen's Guide to Improving Communication, Connection, and Intimacy, and Super Baby, 12 Ways to Give Your Child a Head Start in the First Three Years. Listen to how this smart and talented doctor chooses herself in the most personal of ways. Jen, we have known each other for, I don't know, several years. We have some mutual friends. We've seen each other at a few events. And I have to tell you that I have always seen you as the quintessential badass woman in your work, as a mom, as a girlfriend, everywhere. You, to me, are such a role model. So when we kind of decided we wanted to have a women's mental health episode here on the podcast, you were the first person who came to mind for me. This, You're a woman who's fierce, a woman who inspires, and a woman who has so much wisdom to share on this subject. So I'm very excited to have you here today, and I know my audience will love you as much as I do. So thank you so much for joining us. That's the best introduction ever. <laughs> All true. So true. So we wanted, to, we wanted to focus on uh, women's mental health. It just, you know, this encompasses so many factors and we can go in all sorts of directions, but it also primarily includes what your expertise is, you know, relationships and communication. And I imagine this oh, is I, thought, very I thought you were going to say badassery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, badassery for sure across the board. My other specialty. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I totally think that is going to highlight all of that. So I would love to just start kind of with like how you see women's mental health influencing our relationships and vice versa. Well, I think that women's mental health oftentimes goes overlooked by us as women. And I think that a lot of the time, and, and I, I hate to talk in cliches, but I, I see so often so many women in my practice, in my life, my personal life, where we spend so much time taking care of others, our children, our partners, our homes, our careers, our everything, that oftentimes our own mental health ends up last on the list. And, you know, it's such a cliche, again, of the whole, like, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on the other person next to you because if you don't you're gonna you may pass out and then you can't help anyone and i think that the second part is often forgotten and that we i think as women are so strong and so incredible and so capable and so able to handle so much that oftentimes we say, oh, no, no, that's okay. And, and we put ourselves last and our mental health last. And I think that having time to do some self-care activities is so important. 100%. We talk about the oxygen mask all the time, as cliche as it is, it is so often overlooked. So what do you think are some of the most common mental health issues that women face because of that? 
Uh, well, I think really depression and anxiety are really pervasive. And I, and I, I see a lot of that. And then also eating disorders. Um, you know, I think that those three are kind of a big bulk of what I see when it comes to women's mental health. And so what do you suggest that we can do to kind of deal with that and to hit it straight on? You know, look, I recommend that everyone, male or female, whether you have a history of trauma or not, I recommend that everyone have one year of weekly therapy. And sometimes people say to me, well, that's really expensive. I can't do that. But here's the thing that most people don't realize. And that is that in order to become a therapist, all therapists have to do 3,000 hours of supervised clinical work. And as a result, people work in mental health clinics. They provide their services for free. And when you are a client at a mental health facility, like all of us therapists have worked in, I worked in one for many, many years, you not only get the intern that you're working with, but you also get the eyeballs and ears of their supervisor. So you basically get two therapists for the value of like, you're only essentially paying for one, but even that it's based on your ability to pay. So most people don't realize that mental health care is actually more available and more cost available than, than they think. You know, a lot of the time people think if they can't afford a super expensive therapist or they don't have insurance that they can't get help. I'm a big proponent of therapy, however possible. And even like, I don't know, what, is it, what about like talking to loved ones and friends and people that can be a little bit, you know, supportive and what else can you do in addition to therapy? Well, I think that having a support system in general and utilizing your support system is really important and, and really good. And at the same time, the reason I want to keep people to keep in mind, sometimes people say to me like, oh, you know what? I have such a great support system. Oh, you know, I have great friends. I can just talk to them. That's different than talking to a therapist because your close friends and family, they have skin in the game that they are invested, their lives are impacted if you make certain choices, even if they're good choices, you know, like, oh, I really want you to stay in, in your relationship. I know you're thinking about breaking up because we love double dating with you. Or, you know, I'd feel so bad if you were single or whatever it is. So it, it's important to keep that in mind. I also think that bibliotherapy is a really great option. I think that now there are so many great things available like on YouTube, on TED Talk, on people's websites, on even on Instagram, on TikTok, where you can get really great insight and really great tips um, when it comes to mental health. And I really encourage people to, to do that. Right. It's so important to keep broadening your, your wisdom and knowledge and experience. And, you know, just as a backup to the whole price of things, like I say this with people that want to come to me as clients, it's like, you know, you're investing in yourself and like saving all the money later, right? Like there's so much yeah. money that you save doing things that you wouldn't do because you're taking care of yourself. And so it's exactly. kind of like prioritization type of a thing. So that you got to pay on the front end to avoid paying a whole lot more on the back end. Yes, definitely a good investment, especially with respect to time and spending the time to learn and to, to talk. And I'm a big advocate too. So oh, in terms of relationships, I like you just saying, like your, your 
friends and family that have skin in the game. But what is a good thing for us as women specifically, really, to strengthen our mental well-being so we can be our best in relationship? Um, well, look, I think like we were talking about taking care of ourselves first um, is important and, and challenging for most women. But I also think when it comes to relationships, I think a few things, you know, one is when we're in healthy relationships, when we're in good relationships to nurture the connection, to really invest time and energy in, um, in our partnership. And in this day and age, it's very easy to neglect that. It's easy to be on our phones. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be so busy taking care of our careers, especially now that our bosses, our employees, our colleagues can reach us pretty much around the clock because of cell phones. So it's harder to make boundaries um, that we actually invest in that bond. And, and the studies show that really connection is, is the most important part of a relationship for it to have longevity. And then the other part is boundaries, boundaries when it comes to work, boundaries with our partners, boundaries with our loved ones that actually allow us to take better care of ourselves. Okay. So I'm going to actually ask you to expound on boundaries. It's going to sound so funny, but like, this is something I've always struggled with. And sure. do you have any tips for like how to actually set boundaries? And can you give me an example of maybe someplace in your own life where you've struggled to make boundaries? Ooh. God. That's a great question. Yeah, give um, me a category. <laughs> okay. Um, oh my gosh, I'd have to think about that. It just it feels like whenever I hear set boundaries, I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Like I'm just you know, I have my phone and I want to be there for my clients. I always tell my clients, text me anytime, like that kind of yeah. thing. So I don't know, everywhere across the board. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, one maybe to not be available 24 seven, that maybe, you know, even if it's not traditional nine to five hours to maybe at eight o'clock, you know, that maybe you're not answering text messages from clients after a certain hour or before a certain hour, because your sleep is, is important. Or, you know, sometimes we have friends who are going through a crisis and we really want to be there for our friend, but also at some point we have to make the boundary be like, Hey, I really need to go to sleep now. Let's talk tomorrow. You know, when I'm, you know, after I drop my kids off from school, I'll be in the car for a half hour. Let's let's chat then. But really making those boundaries also for a lot of people who are employed and have a boss, being able to make a boundary and say, you know, and I've seen this a lot, especially over the past couple of years of like, hey, no, I'm not willing to, you know, work until midnight tonight. I can't do that. You know, just being able to say no it can be particularly challenging. Yes. Okay. So it's like a prioritization thing again. It's like, yeah. Okay. Taking care of yourself. Uh, well then how would you say like besides that and, uh, what you're saying about a deeper connection with people that it's the most important thing in relationships, how do we foster a deeper connection besides setting boundaries? Well, look, I think one of the number one things that I recommend to clients is 20 to 30 minutes of face-to-face -face contact where you're not looking at your phones, where you're not looking at a screen. And there's an interesting study done by a guy named M. Gary Newman. And he did a study of um, cheating men and cheating women. And 
surprisingly, the number one reason why people cheated was not sex, which is what most people would think, but it was either a combination of a lack of emotional connection or a combination of a, a lack of emotional and sexual connection. So what that really speaks to is the importance of nurturing that connection. And, you know, what I always say to clients is there will always be someone out there who is perkier, who's, you know, in better shape, who has a bigger, you know, what, who is, you know, whatever. But if the bond between you and your partner is solid and you've invested, the odds of one of you straying goes down exponentially. And in his study, what he found was that the women who did not cheat generally spent at least 30 minutes a day sitting and talking with their partner. And I think that we undervalue how important it is to just sit and talk. And that that is a really important part of nurturing that connection. That most people think, well, I, we, were si we, we spent hours together. Well, okay, what were you doing? What did you talk about? Well, we were watching our favorite TV show. Well, that's nice. That's that's a fun activity to do together, but that's not sitting and connecting. That is side-by-side, -side, simultaneous play. That is enjoying doing something, but that's not getting in each other's heads. That's not learning about the other person's day. And I think it's important to keep in mind that when we don't connect, when we don't learn about our partner's day, when we don't hear about what's important to them, when we don't know what makes them tick, there's always someone out there that will care about those things. And it's important that we nurture the relationship and also that we care enough about our partner to, to know those things and that our partner cares enough about us. What about our relationship as a mother, as a daughter, as like an, an other relationships in our lives? What specifically about that? Well, I mean, how do we nourish other relationships? How do we take care of ourselves so that we could be best in in all of these things that we're doing with as you know, a parent and managing, balancing work, balancing all of that stuff? Well, I think that that one of the things to to know is we can have it all, but we can't necessarily have it all at one time. And you know that there are different seasons and different phases of our lives that require different focuses. And that there are times where sometimes one area of our life may suffer or another area may suffer, but that it is possible to, to do it all and to have it all. But again, you know, you, there are times where our children are in crisis or they just need more from us where that is going to take more of the focus. And maybe at that point you are not starting a new project in or you know creating a new entrepreneurial venture or you know maybe you're you have a a aging parent that requires attention or maybe your relationship just needs more attention like there are just different times and i think that you have to look at your life your time and your energy as a pie and there are only so many slices of the pie and there are times where one part of our life will need more slices and it doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. Words are so incredibly powerful. And I love how you talk about positive self-talk. Can you share yeah. some ways to improve the way we talk to and about ourselves? Yes. This is a, 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 a topic that I really love. And as someone who, and 
you know, I've, I've talked very publicly about my own um, recovery from an eating disorder. And I'd say that I'm someone who is recovered, not someone who is in recovery. Um, and I had an eating disorder for 10 years and it's been a good, I guess, three decades that I have been recovered now. And that negative self-talk was so pervasive in my life. And I see it so much with so many of my clients. And I talk a lot about, I, I have an app called No More Diets. And in the app, one of the exercises that I have is where you, on the left side, you write down all of your negative self-talk. And then on the right side, you write down a positive statements to to contradict that negative statement. And here's the thing that what most people don't understand. And that is that you don't have to believe it initially. In the beginning, whatever it is that you've internalized, whether it is a parent who spoke to you negatively, a coach who spoke to you, a teacher, a grandparent, someone, we typically learn that negative self-talk from somewhere. And when we've internalized that negative self-talk, it's important to reprogram our brains. And how we do that is, I, I really like, in sports psychology, they say that for every one negative, you need to have five positive in order to make positive change. So I like to have people write five positive statements for every negative statement that frequently comes up in our head. And typically we all, we have a greatest hits that we play in our head <laughs> negative statements. And so when you have those five statements, put it someplace where you can see it. You know, if you're embarrassed because you have roommates, then maybe you keep it on your phone, or maybe it's your your screensaver, your wallpaper to remind you to uh, to say these things to yourself. But you really have to reprogram your brain and it takes enormous repetition. If you think about how many decades or years that you have said these negative things to yourself, you got to realize that consistency over time, and when I say over time, do it for a year and then see where you're at. Because too often I give this assignment and someone says, well, I did it this week and it's, it hasn't gone away. Well, of course it hasn't. You're, you're fighting years and years of this stuff. And, and I can give you a really kind of superficial um, example of this at work in my own life. And that is, um, as many people who, who follow me know, I'm, I am really into Peloton. I, I love my bike. I love my treadmill. And over the, the course of however many years I've been doing this, I become a runner. And when I first started doing it, I could barely make 20 minutes. I was struggling and now I can go for an hour at a time. And one of the things that I found was that when I first started running, that I had all this negative self-talk, like, oh, this is so hard. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I don't know if I can get through this whole workout. And what I did was, because I have to practice what I preach, <clears throat> is that I started to say, okay, what are my running mantras? And so I would start to say, okay, I can do it. I am light, I am strong, I can do it. I am light, I am strong, I can do it. And what's happened is that that has become so automatic for me that when I'm not consciously thinking about something and I check in with myself, I am saying that in my head, in the background, even when I don't make an attempt to do it. And now I really love running. 
now it's a positive experience that now even a bad run is a pretty good run. And I found that that positive self-talk has really changed it. And, and I didn't believe it at the beginning, but I've said it so much now that it has become ingrained in my thinking and also my belief about myself. I love that so much. It's like amazing how powerful that could be. And just the consistency, right? Like yep. same with eating a healthy diet. It's like, what does that mean? You have to, I ate healthy over the weekend. No, you have to do it all the time and get comfortable yeah. with it. And it just becomes second nature after a while. But it takes it takes like a shift, major shift. This would be a major shift to switch your language. And people don't even yeah. realize what they're saying to themselves. I deal with this yeah. with my clients too. It's like they have no idea what they're saying and things come out and it's like, mm -hmm. wow, that's when you say it out loud or like, I like what you're saying to actually write it down and have to like make it real, like realize it and actually look at it. It makes it visceral and more powerful. So that's, I, I'm going to check out your app. Thank you. And and also one of the things I, I say, kind of the litmus test is, okay, would you say this to someone you love? Right. And most of the time when, when you say like, would you say this to your daughter? Would you say this to your mother? Would you say this to your best friend? Like, most people are like, oh, horrified. They're like, yeah. horrified. I wouldn't talk to her like that. Like, absolutely. No. Right. Or say, would you say it to your five-year-old self? Like it's, it is crazy. Exactly. I, I did this exercise with my group last week and it, exactly. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, I would never say this, but yet yeah. it's so easy to say it to ourselves. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> well, I, I think that we have a tendency to be really mean to ourselves and really critical. And I think that people oftentimes think that that will somehow help them get <clears throat> get healthier get more fit get quote unquote better but it does the opposite you know we we are not inspired to make change out of hate for ourselves or self-loathing we what inspires us is self-love what makes us want to make healthy good decisions for ourselves is love that's awesome. It's such a flip of the mind, right? Like we just beat ourselves into submission. I guess we're trained to do that. We're socialized to do that. Yeah, exactly. So the whole concept of this podcast is what you said exactly at the beginning about the oxygen mask. So I want to ask you, Dr. Jen, what yes. do you do? How do you choose yourself? Uh, like when you're not having the best day or just how do you choose yourself overall to take care of yourself? Um, a few things. Um, one is for me, my workout is really some of it's, that is a big part of my self care. Um, that is a time where I'm just doing something purely for myself. I'm doing something that is healthy, that makes me feel good. I always feel really good at the end of my workout. And I, and for a lot of people who are not used to being as active, it's hard to relate to that. But one thing I will say is when you are consistent and you're you get kind of past the the initial hump that 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 feeling of accomplishment even if it didn't feel good when you did it of doing it at the end being able to say wow i i accomplished that that's amazing is is a huge payoff and the eventually it takes a long time to get the endorphins but the that those endorphins are pretty awesome and the oxygen to the brain i have a lot of my best ideas on the tread or the bike um, and then also for me, my other really big self-care activity at home is um, my bathtub. I am obsessed with my bathtub and watching uh, a great TV show. A couple of my fail-safes are the old episodes of Sex in the City or Friends um, are our favorites and just 
having that time and space to myself to to relax um that is that is a huge self-care activity for me okay we're kind of twinsies because those are my two favorite go-to shows too <laughs> and i'm obsessed with my bathtub too so <laughs> here you go thank you of so course. much for being here dr Dunn. it's so nice to talk to you my pleasure thank you for having me Ladies, I hope you really paid attention to the negative self-talk and how we could switch it around. I think it is so important and it's something on my list of things I'm working on this year and I hope you will too. So thank you so much for joining us today. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash choose you now. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash choose you now to have access to exclusive content. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.